Welcome to the magic in daily endurance. I'm your host, Jesse Meister, coming to you this season from Canada. What if you could integrate the tools necessary to raise your vibration and change your life? This show will help you overcome your challenges, step into your power, and become the true badass you're meant to be. Join me as I chat with friends of mine that have dove deep into their shadow to see the light and are now ready to share their stories. This is the magic in daily endurance. Hello world and welcome back to another episode of the Magic in Daily Endurance. Today I have Kristen Davis. She is the host of Pirate Living, a co-host of the Pirate Living podcast. She is an author creating journals for kids and she's building a brand called Word Ninjas. Her mission is to create tools for adults to use with kids to help them regulate their emotions and their breath and their words. Welcome to the Magic in Daily Endurance, Kristen. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited that you are here. Talk about magic and words and what you're bringing into the world. I'm so excited about that. Awesome. So to get started, I usually ask people uh, what brought them into a morning routine or their spirituality. So if you have either one that resonates with you, would you like Mm -hmm. to share with everybody? Yeah. Um, so what we can do is take a little journey on the spirituality. Um, because I, well, we can go back a ways. I had grown up in a very conservative Christian household. So, and then once, um, so I was going through the whole, going through ritual of church uh, every twice, every Sunday and youth group and grew up in Christian school. So when I became an adult, I needed to relearn things for myself and for a while, for part of that too, it was, um, just realizing that I was showing up to things with my parents in mind. Like, Oh, I'm going to disappoint my parents. If I don't do like, don't go to church, don't find a church now that I've moved. And so I needed to distance myself from what I'd grown up in. And for a while wasn't lost, but just like, I don't feel like anything resonates with me. And about four years ago, my husband, um, he decided that he wanted to do this program called training camp for the soul, which takes a deep dive into things that you've learned from your parents, or, um, they like to call it the script that you've been handed. So you're living into a movie script where you're likely, not even the main character. You've been handed the script and you're running an autopilot. And so we're going to help you rewrite that and become the main character of your own story. So when I went through that, um, took this deep dive in an isolated mountain with a bunch of strangers, (laughs) um, on the other side of it, I, I knew I'd made big changes. There were, there was a lot of stuff that had come up for me that had happened and I wanted those changes to stick. So I was like, what can I do? And part of what, um, part of what they mentioned while there was do a morning routine, get one started. What was said was like, get up an extra hour, two hours before get, get things going throughout the day, or come up with a couple of things that you can do in the morning before you get your day started. And I was teaching in childcare at the time, getting up at four, actually, I think it was four 15 in the morning, every morning. Um, and that was to give myself enough time to not rush to get off to work and drive there. Cause I had to open the center by six, some mornings, even five forty-five. So <laughs> I was, I heard the morning routine. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, that ain't happening. I'm already getting up super early. Um, so what we had been given though, were some affirmations that we had been doing during the week and those affirmations, um, I decided to put them on play while I was getting ready in the morning. So as I was making my coffee and making my breakfast, um, getting ready. I just let the affirmations play. 
And at some point in time, I also created some of my own. So I was hearing my own voice saying the affirmations back. And some mornings I'd say them out loud with it. Other mornings, my husband was still asleep. So other mornings I just listen. <laughs> but yeah, these um, having something that was reminding me like, I get to make my choices. I am in charge of my own life. Um, and helping me get past the, all the people pleasing that I had been doing that I had grown up into by trying to be the good girl, mm-hmm. um, that it was, it was a huge help to me. It helped boost my energy through the day and also was helping me feel more calm in my classroom. And then, yeah, at some point in time too, it started easing out of, um, the affirmations and started playing some music that got me pumped up. That was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to like, this one makes me feel good. (laughs) This one gets me going. And then having those songs, like the pump up songs going through my head too, as I'm like getting ready for work, driving to work in the morning. Um, and there were some stressful times (laughs) that would come up pretty early in the day too, at working where all of a sudden I'm like, ah, feeling stressed out. And then the songs would pop in my head, be able to take a breath. (laughs) Mm. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I got this. The song is reminding me that I've got this. So yeah, that's, um, that was a bit of my journey in like first learning, learning in spirituality. And then what helped me for a morning routine as I was not feeling like I could really add any extra time into my morning, um, and still stay sane while teaching. (laughs) So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's an early wake up. It is. And to be there by like six or quarter to six (laughs) and you're you're working with children. So yeah, you want to keep your sanity so that you don't go off the deep end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's yeah, that's powerful. And then, um, so working with children, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing is what brought you into the word ninjas and this amazing, amazing product that you've created and that you share with the world. Do you want to chat more about like how you got there and what you've created? Yeah. So, oh goodness. Um, so with language ninjas, the beginning of it came around the time where I had gone into, to, to do training camp for the soul. I had also, been introduced to how words are, they make an impact on on your thoughts, on your feelings. And I had been introduced as well to the book, Nonviolent Communication, Mm. um, which as somebody that grew up in a house where I sometimes was a (laughs) go-between in communicating between my parents. Um, So yeah, my mom would, my dad wasn't hearing well, my mom wouldn't speak loud. So my mom would say something my dad wouldn't hear. And he'd just look at me and be like, what'd she say? <laughs> so, <laughs> Growing up like that, where I was uh, tired of having to communicate for others, but also just not having a good example of communication, I ate up nonviolent communication. And then um, was also introduced to the vocabulary program, which teaches about architect language versus conflict language, which to me, conflict language was like, we're all, we we're mostly born into a world of conflict language, which is like creating, we're always creating, even if we say we're not creative, like there's a lot going on in our heads, mm-hmm. but conflict language is created, creating chaos, cha- chaotically. <laughs> and so it's more like just throwing out everything, like to see if it sticks, throwing that spaghetti at the wall and being like, oh, mm-hmm. did this one stick? Um, versus architect language, which is building up what you want, being very particular and picking the Lego block that fits in each spot and making something that you desire instead of hoping that throwing all these things in one area will create what you want. So I was working with my students, learned all these things about communication um, that were helpful to me, which I was eating up because I was like, this is so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I started to realize how in the things that I was saying in, in my head and out loud to my coworkers, um, they were ma- having an effect on my stress level throughout the day. And so <laughs> I was blaming, like, I was like, they 
don't care if I have a life outside of this job or not. They don't, they don't care about this. They don't care about that. And I asked myself one day, who is this they? And I'm expecting I'm going to see my boss's faces pop into my head. But I was curious, who is this they? No image of anybody came up in my mind. <laughs> like, All right, cool. So I'm blaming, I've got this all-knowing they that are ruining my life. It's not even my bosses. <laughs> and I can start talking to my bosses and letting them know, like, I have an appointment today. I need to leave by this time. Mm-hmm. Um And once I started doing that, my stress levels started coming down and it started improving um, how things were going in the classroom. I also within the classroom felt for like for so long, there were so many behavior issues going on. I was like, why? And we had to write up if there were like if somebody got hurt or if there were major behavior issues, we had to write it up to have the parents sign. I felt like I was writing them all the time. which was the biggest thing. I'm like, I'm writing up all of these things on behavior. I don't have time to connect with the kids. And once I started um, focusing on me and my words and how I was, how I felt throughout the day, I was able to also start changing how I talked with my class. Mm. And so once all these things started coming together, all the pieces, I realized I'm feeling more relaxed. The kids are reacting like more like how I am and the behaviors are starting to dwindle. And so I, at this time would write, or I'd pull out a book anytime I wanted to introduce a new idea. And I was like, this is great. Um, like how my words, um, how I'm using them and how I change them has really helped me. And this class too had a lot of blaming each other like he's doing this and I don't like her and just fighting with each other so I had um different mindfulness books that I could pull out to teach them about their breath or about how to use their words like more kindly to each other instead of just saying whatever comes to your mind or <laughs> like there were different things that I had found books on but there wasn't a book that I could find that taught them about how your words going from like, I can't do this, or he's so mean to me, how you can change those um, to say something like I can try. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Now you're likely to start trying it. Or he's so mean to me to, you know, she actually is pretty nice. I'm going to go play with her. I can be a friend over there and Mm -hmm. just starting to change your their perspective and so not having a book I started to write one with and so as I was writing the first drafts I definitely had the class in mind um as I was writing it as some of the things that were going on in the class where I'm like okay this is helpful <laughs> like I'm gonna write something write some of these down so that was the initial inspiration for language ninjas and um writing the books and then yeah, I from there, first it was an idea of one book, and then I decided I wanted to um, take a little more independent dive into the different types of conflict in architect language with um, the first one, the first book, Abracadabra, I Know What to Do Lightly, talks about soft talk mm-hmm. in there, um, soft talk versus solid talk, and then the next book is focused on projections and reflections. So the main character is blaming everybody and then he learns how to take his power back by reflecting on himself. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to have one more I want to do that has focuses on affirmations and negations and and yeah, and then have a wins journal to celebrate all the amazing things that people do that the kids are up to so that they can start seeing like oh hey I've got I am doing some pretty cool stuff because what I see so much in kids is the perfectionism like I can't do this mm-hmm. um and they want they want to stop if mm-hmm. they they compare themselves they would compare themselves to me with like if I would draw something oh you're so good how do you do that well I've got 30 years on you <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing a lot longer. Right. 
Um, but yeah, like when, when I'm seeing them compare themselves to me and not wanting to do something because mm. I can do it and they can, you know, you're, you've got to practice, um, you're still learning. And so, yeah, the idea with wind's journal too, is getting the, um, getting kids to realize like, I can do these things and I am growing and I am learning and to help them move past that perfectionism and being willing to try and know that mistakes are great. <laughs> it's great to make mistakes. A hundred percent. And I'm like, I'm an adult and I want your books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I use my wind's journal. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, so are you still working with kids or you like, you've moved on from that or, uh, what I do now is independently I'm working with families mm. in childcare. So now I get to use what I've learned in a, in a type of environment that allows me to show up at, as my best <laughs> instead of feeling caught overwhelmed and trying to give my best within the overwhelm. So now mm. I, yeah, I can bring what I can bring the best of me <laughs> and, and also get time to refresh and come back the next day and be, have the energy I would like to have while mm -hmm. working with them. Mm -hmm. Kids are a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Cause I'm like, I hope she's still working with kids. Cause it sounds like you're very passionate about what you do. And that's like, especially going to like the kids in that age range, mm -hmm. like that's where the change happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And part of what really drew me to specifically looking at the younger age, like seven and under was when I had learned that the ages zero through seven are they're in like the, the theta state. I believe it's the theta state. It's been a while, <laughs> um, but they're in more of the um, developing and learning their personality. And so they're taking from everybody around them, like they're trying different things out, but they're still developing that personality and who they're going to become. And then after a seven, that, be that like they've had enough time, they've been in that what some people call a hypnotic state with that theta state of the learning. And now it's more solidified. Um, so you can absolutely still change things after that seven, age seven, because I did that when I was 36, I made changes. <laughs> but within that zero to seven time frame, like they're really developing and they're really growing a lot. And so my idea, my thought was if we can give them tools while they're building that um, in order to have a really solid foundation. Hopefully when they're 36, they're not needing to go into a program to learn how to rewrite their script. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that so, so much because it, it like that's the inner child work, right? Like if mm -hmm. you're doing it then, then your whole life is going to benefit and you're going to be stronger and more confident and more like embodying who you are when you mm -hmm. grow up. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're a rock star. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so I don't have a lot of people who also have podcasts on my mm -hmm. podcast. <laughs> so I would love to know like what got you started? Like why why did you start your podcast? Um, that's a great question that starts with um what I would say back early days of COVID where people were separated from each other. Um, and the best way to get in contact was through Zoom. I was doing um, an Enlifted program, which I'm, have you talked about with your listeners what Enlifted is? Okay. Oh, I'm a big advocate. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I always love just when people toss things out and it's like, do your listeners know? <laughs> yeah. so, okay. So yes, I did the Enlifted program. Um, and let's see, I did level one before COVID and then like level two started very soon after the initial shutdowns. And so this was a great time getting to know people. Mm -hmm. um, I had Sokran, who I do the co-hosting co Pirate Living with, um, she and I 
we'd seen each other because we did level one around the same time, but not at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. And there was um, like, Mark was keeping a community going, um, but it wasn't the community that it is now. So it was more like monthly calls. We'd get on, he'd ask us some questions. Um, So anyway, once it came around to level two, now I think there were about into about 10 or 12 level ones that had gone through. So there are all these people I didn't even know were there. Um, a bunch came into level two and we started to meet each other and we're learning each other's wo- uh, walkout songs to be like, I'm going to pump myself up. Um, that's when Karan and I started to connect and like her walkout song was one that really resonated with me. I think even more than my own walkout song. So I would play hers and mine almost every morning and yeah, somewhere in there, I don't really even remember fully anymore how we started to connect, but we were also talking a few times on doing Instagram lives. So we went back and forth between each other's Instagram. And there was one point in time where we were talking and we're like, these conversations are, they're in general, they're great conversations. Like more people <laughs> need to hear people having different types of conversations. And so she had mentioned wanting to do a podcast at one point in time, but I hadn't really thought of it as like, yeah, it's something I really want to do. And then one day she came to me and she's like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And so I said, yes. (laughs) And we took a little time to um, reach out to some other people doing podcasts, ask them like, what does this entail? What does it look like? How do we get it started? Um, And then we started interviewing people and- Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun. So yeah, we've been doing that for two years almost now. Well, two years since we started interviewing. So yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And sharing your own message and getting, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I definitely, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) When people are like, I want to share my message. I'm like, just start a podcast. Just need a mic and a computer. And then like, you're good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I got my microphone when I was living in Costa Rica. So that one was not as nice as my Yeti, but it worked Yeah, and it got the message out there. So that's amazing. And Mm -hmm. what, what brought you, I know this story, but I would love (laughs) to share this story of like, what brought you to Enlifted? Yeah. um, So going back to the days of doing training camp, um, training camp for the soul, Oh yeah. Did I actually tell you this story? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think, no, I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah. More? <laughs> no, I was like, wait, I think I remember now. <laughs> okay. So the days of going back to training camp for the soul, um, I'm showing up to this cabin in the woods with a bunch of strangers. Um, not sure what I'm getting into. And also like it had snowed on our way up there. So mm-hmm. we're, um, we lost half of our group to not being able to get up the hill in the snow. Um, so my, oh yeah, I'm going to give you a little more of the story than you already heard. My husband and a few others went to try to go find the car and help them get up the hill. Um, and so I'm here by myself with some, like, I know one other person that's there with me and I go up to the cabin and there's a, a couple people already there. And I don't know who they are and how they're involved. And I don't even know who the people are that are going to be going through the deep immersion in these next few days. But I'm starting to see there's more people than just the six that I knew would be there. And so anyway, um, after we got everybody there that had been coming up, like the people that got stuck in the snow on the mountain, we're sitting around waiting for a few other people to get there. And there's this guy that's sitting in a rocking chair and he's like, Hey, you guys want, um, want to hear some stand up pirate jokes? Yep. Sure. Sounds good. <laughs> so he starts telling these pirate jokes. And, um, for the most part, we're just like, who is this guy who's <laughs> telling pirate jokes? Or at least that's what I'm thinking. And, <laughs> So later on, um, we're unpacking, putting our stuff away. And my husband's like, there's, I'm excited. There's two people upstairs that 
I re I look up to like as mentors and I was like, okay, Mike, Mike Bledsoe's up there. Who, who's the other guy? He's goes, Mark England. Who is Mark England? It's <laughs> like, and then I was like, oh, the guy that was telling pirate jokes, that guy. <laughs> so my first impression was like, this guy is telling pirate jokes. But then throughout the week, he also taught us some of what he had been doing with vocabulary. And he and Mike were just starting the Enlifted program at that point in time, too. So they were about to go off to Paleo Effects and um, launch, more or less launch the program there. And so I had heard of it, but it I was really into the word piece, like with vocabulary. I was like, this is great. Um, so once Enlifted became a one-on-one -on -one pro um personal coaching type thing, it wasn't yet, it wasn't at all yet the program that it is now. Um, because this was a very like they had just done the 90-day program that they initially did and then decided to dig deeper into the Billy stories. So they had invited some of the people from the 90 day program to do um, coaching with Mark within a smaller group. And then Mark invited my husband Lance and I to join as well. Um, because at that point in time too, I had been talking, chatting with him about writing the children's books since I was looking, like comparing it with or taking a lot of it from what I learned with vocabulary. So yeah, I, that's what was where I first got into Enlifted was doing the, um, doing this program where I'm now meeting a few people and we're hearing each other's stories and we're getting coached by Mark, which for me was great because I'm, it was a catalyst to what I'd already learned through training camp for the soul to keep going and diving in even deeper so that I was like, yes, <laughs> I really, I just really want to like keep this going and not fall back into old patterns. So that was my initial dive into program. And so, yeah, from there, once level two came out, I was like, first love first time level two is like yep I'm there <laughs> then first time with level three I was in so, so you've I'm done curious. ancestors yeah I've done the ancestors yeah. course too so okay yeah it's I've done I've done all four of those so I was gonna say I've done it all but I don't I don't know if that's all at this point in time what's the fourth one no so, I'm like what's the fourth um one? so there's level three which I don't know what level three would entail anymore, but it was more it, digging into the business. And then there was some ancestry stuff mm -hmm. included in that at the time. And then the ancestry course um, I did last winter, springish time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And what yeah. was your biggest takeaway from like the courses? I would say the biggest thing to me after um, really getting into all the levels was getting into the ancestral parts. And so realizing that I'd already learned that I picked things up from my parents, but getting to see as well, like there are these stories that I may subconsciously be carrying with me. And um, so doing some digging it by asking my parents questions. I wish that my grandparents were still alive when I had done the ancestry course. So I could have asked them some questions because my grandpas especially loved telling stories when I was younger and I was younger. So I listened somewhat, but not very much. And so it would have been cool to be able to ask them some things, but <laughs> I was asking my mom and my dad and both um, some questions about their childhood and both of them gave me some answers like why are you asking <laughs> and and or trying to remember some of them themselves mm -hmm. and so I was being cautious in a way of how I was asking the questions like I'm gonna come at this in a way that they'll keep answering me mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so I got some stories from them but the biggest one that came was during we did um, peer one-on-one -on -one coaching for the ancestry. And so during the time I was going through my coaching, one of the stories that had been sticking out to me was actually just taken from a couple sentences that my mom 
had written inside the little bit of genealogy that she had on her family. And so what came from that, those couple sentences was my grandpa's parents. So my great grandpa, um, his dad came over from Germany at the age of nine. And so then that was written in the off to the side came over at nine and then there was a question along the lines of like why did he wait so long to become a citizen Mm. and the answer was that he always expected to go back to germany and so at the age of nine fred was my great grandpa he and his family come over and around the time he was a teenager world war one happened um Oh, and in the margins too, there was a note about how he had gone back in World War One to fight for Germany. So he, like, he went off, he fought in wo- World War One, and then he came back to the states. Um, so he came back, gets married, has I think he had five kids, um, three sons and two daughters, and they went. Um, how did it go? So the then World War Two, they had a farm that they were um they had a farm they lived on world war ii comes and my grandpa's the youngest of the three sons not quite old enough to go off to war but his two older brothers went off and then my grandpa lied about his age so he could go i was just gonna ask you that i was gonna be like (laughs) is he one of those ones that lied (laughs) he did And so my mom's belief within all of that was like the family didn't talk a whole lot, or at least my grandpa didn't talk a lot with his family because um, the sisters were upset that they were left to run the farm because he lied about his age. But I I was curious about that because I'm like, that's just, it seems like there's more there, especially because great grandpa was from Germany. He went and fought for Germany. And now all three of his sons are going off to fight against Germany, which is Mm. the place where he's planning still at this point in time to potentially go move back to because he didn't anticipate living forever in the U.S. And I think it was like the 70s when he finally admitted, like, I'm here, I'm here to stay, and now I'm getting my citizenship. So, Mm. yeah, so that story was one that was more of a curiosity and just going through the story um, on the one-on-one call the person that I was doing coaching with, he started asking me a few questions and it like what came to me, what, while he was asking those questions was that my grandpa first was scared. He was proud, but he was also scared and confused when his sons went off to war. And he also was struggling to tell them I'm proud of you. And I love you because just because, because I don't, I don't, it probably wasn't something that was really told to him either. Um, and he's also like, my sons are going off to fight a war. I don't know if they're going to come back. And within that, like talking about that, realizing that, um, I was then asked, was your, was your mom or did your mom tell you that she was proud of you? It's like directly. I don't think so. I've heard it indirectly from others. Um, and then he asked me, have you ever told your mom that you're proud of her? And I was like, you know what? No, I haven't. And that's one that I can do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, it was this, just this realization first off of like, oh, not directly um, being told I'm proud of you is a thing, but also it's a thing that I could have been told more often than I realized that. I, I'm loved and that I'm be that my parents are proud of me, but I wasn't also not hearing it. Mm-hmm. And so to know that first off, it might be hard for them to say, but also it's hard for me to receive because of the ancestral things going on too. Mm-hmm. the stories that have come down. It was a really good eye opener for me to start realizing like, oh, I I could have been told these things many times and I'm just not hearing or receiving it. So yeah, that was a big takeaway for me to be able to start saying it and hearing it and telling myself. And that was the biggest one is like, Oh, I can tell myself too. I'm proud of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't done ancestors yet. I was like, I need to integrate 
all mm-hmm. of these things from the first two <laughs> levels and like put them out to the world before I go even deeper mm-hmm. in my own family stuff, which I'm doing like automatically anyway, like the stories that you're saying, I'm like, I'm doing that without even knowing yeah. that that's part of ancestry. Mm-hmm. And- ancestry I don't know how to call it (laughs) right (laughs) and what I want to say too is like what you said is so important the integrating what you've already learned because Mm -hmm. I think it's so easy especially when you get into the realm of like I'm healing myself it's so easy to just think you need to keep going or think you need to keep healing instead of stopping to let what you've already done soak in before jumping into something else so yeah Mm -hmm. letting it integrate is big (laughs) and level one is a lot so Uh it's like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna process that and celebrate myself and then I'll dig Dig into all this stuff yeah Um, oh that's beautiful and like yeah it's it's a game changer for sure like in lifted in general like Mm -hmm. you're using it with uh like the language ninjas which is so Mm -hmm so cool to bring it to the kid level do you know of anyone else in the community that's working with kids with it at all so for a little while when I had more energy for online stuff um a friend (laughs) Kayla and I she had done all Kayla Becker had done um and left levels one two and three and ancestry with me so we've done all all of those levels together at the same time um she was also a teacher and so when I heard that she was a teacher, I basically grabbed onto her at that point and was like, how do we do this? Like, bring it to the kids, which ultimately you bring to the adults because a calm adult will calm a child. And so you it needs to go to the adults first because you can give all the tools that you want to the kids. But if the adults don't use them, the mm-hmm. tool is just another hammer to hit a nail with so um yeah it's not not like (laughs) it's what it was intended for it's but anyway um so Kayla is she has been working with um middle school students I know that I'm not sure she's still doing direct work with them but yeah she was working with middle school and high school kids. Um, there were a few other people that I know that had, um, youth coaching programs and they were taking what they do, um, and teaching goal setting and then also doing some story work. So there's, uh, there's also a fair amount of teachers Mm -hmm. that, um, are finding ways to use what they've learned with their students. Like one, is um he's a coach a tennis coach and now he works more at he might still work with high schoolers um but he was working at the college level for a little while as well but he's teaching first working with the high schoolers in tennis um to teach about how your word like teaching them the power of your words but he's also teaching the parents like better ways to show up for your kid as an athlete so yeah, there's a bunch of, there's a, yeah, there's a, at least a good handful of some teachers that are taking what they know and using it and finding ways to bring it to their students. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's what I'm going to start doing to you. I'm going to reach out mm-hmm. to a couple of friends and be like, so you have teenagers. If they could get into a program that would help them, like, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do you have any recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> and what a program would look like? <laughs> On like, no, just, I guess, how mm-hmm. to tap into, yeah, that network and, yeah. That, that's a good question because with it, um, it goes two ways because as much as a parent might look at it and say, yes, my kid could use this, the kids also need to um, have a motivation in to want to do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, you need the parents on board because having the parents on board, you can teach them the tools. But then if the kids are not feeling that this is something that's important to them, they're not going to take away from it. But mm-hmm. if they do believe like this is important and it's going to help me, then it's going to put a fire under them to keep showing up and to learn more and to do more with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That would change like the whole dynamic of a family. Yeah. Like for sure. And like, that's what you're doing with the way <laughs> you're sharing with the world, which is, oh, I love it. So good. Yeah. So yeah, good. The, the important part too is like the adults doing the work, doing, yeah, doing the work first because um, I've talked with numerous people that have, um, they do work with parents. Like when the parents' nervous system is calm, it calms the whole family. So <laughs> I'm like, I have so many things to say and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> starting with the parents, the adults first, so that you can show the kids, like, this is why it's important. Mm-hmm. Changing the energy in the home. And I'm a big energy person too, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, when your nervous system is in that relaxed state, your energy that like surrounds you becomes that same vibration, right? Mm-hmm. And you're the the leader of the family. So mm-hmm. let's create that, right? Yeah. Do you know epigenetic stuff at all? Like Joe Dispenza stuff a little bit? Yeah. Um, he's actually one of the early people that I like when I was learning nonviolent communication, I was also like soaking up a lot of Joe Dispenza as well. Like, have, have you been to an, uh, an in-person event? I haven't. I know somebody that has, but I haven't. <laughs> yeah. So you, you found Joe Dispenza before you went to the retreat that you went to? No, I actually learned of him during it. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the epigenetics part was so interesting to me on how, yeah, you have the genes that you are born into that we are taught by science. Like this is, these things are hereditary and this is how you are. And we learn to just say it's the way I am um, versus mm-hmm. epigenetics, which you can actually change. <laughs> and like, whoa, I can change these things. I don't have to say this is just the way I am. And it can lead to a healthier me overall. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. Like that's a, that's the part of where like science meets woo that I just, I just like, yes, there it please. is. There's the chills. <laughs> yeah. There's the chills. Because <laughs> it is. It's scientifically uh, proven. Like Joe mm-hmm. Dispenza stuff shoots that out all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So cool. We could probably talk about that for like a whole other hour. But yeah. <laughs> Let's get the scientific part that like all of this stuff isn't just woo. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, that's, that's, I'm, I love science. So that to me, I'm like you, if you can tell me the science, I, I know that to somebody it's going to sound woo, but if you can tell me the science, like I'm all there for it because when you hear it as woo, it's a lot easier to just say, eh, whatever, <laughs> like, mm. sure, go charge your crystals under the moonlight <laughs> while you're moon bathing versus like, here's the science on <laughs> what these things can do for you. And yeah, like, and, and I love that there are so many options that you can choose to for like what what does feel good and if if calling the things woo are good like and helpful to people yes do this please because it's fun too to be like oh these things like even though I made it sound silly charging crystals under the moon while you moon bathe like it can it can also be a very fun thing to do and I'm not making fun of it (laughs) but like I, I love the science part to it too where it's like okay you can change these and here's the science on how you can change these or this is helpful to you and here's the science. So yeah, that's the part where for me, I'm like, yes, please give me more. (laughs) Do you know the science behind charging your moon? No, I don't. If somebody can tell me if there's science to that one, I just, (laughs) I also, hey, I've done, I haven't charged crystals in the moon, but I, (laughs) but at the same time, like it is, it's still fun to do these things. So (laughs) Mm-hmm. I I am like I don't take my crystals and like put them any specific place during full moons but I'm like if the moon is strong enough if it's in the window if it's in my house mm-hmm. isn't it just gonna charge my whole house yeah I think like so. that I'm not gonna <laughs> like I have a lot of crystals so I'm like I'm not moving all of them no <laughs> <laughs> the moon will charge my whole house and we're uh-huh. just set for the next there month there you go <laughs> Oh, this has been so good. So, so good. Okay. So if people want to buy your journals or your books or listen to your podcasts, Mm -hmm. how do people get in touch with you? Yeah. So 
Oh goodness. There's <laughs> something you know, there's, so like, there's so many things. It'll all be in the show notes. So yeah. whenever you <laughs> high points of where we're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the best place or not the best place, but a place, the place, um, the main place to find my books is on Amazon. Um, yeah, I, I would say that is actually the best place, or you could go, if you want to support a, your local bookstore while shopping online, you can go to bookshop.org and get them there. Cause I was going to mention my website, but that only works well if I'm shipping within the U S because postage has gotten so expensive that, um, especially when I have to ship out of the U S that it's gotten to the point where I don't, I don't even know if it makes sense to offer signing my book and shipping it, <laughs> but, but I do have a uh, language ninjas.me as my website. Um, and if you want a signed copy and you're in the U S of the book, um, I mean, if you're out of the U S you can get one too, but I, I assure you shipping is way more. It's, it's I, I feel bad about it. Like, Just go on Amazon. Go on Amazon. Um, podcast, Pirate Living Podcast is available on um, most listening platforms. So you can find it on iTunes, on Spotify, um, trying to think, Amazon Music, the major places like it's on stitcher um cast box google podcast so the main places it's there um and then i have another one too that i co-host called the purposeful parent podcast so mm. parents if you want to hear some great conversations with people in the child development field there's that one as well um i think that answers all your questions there's oh Instagram. <laughs> Pirate Living Podcast is on Instagram. So it's the purposeful parent and language ninjas. So yeah. Very cool. Very, mm-hmm. very cool. Lots of lots of places. I love that honestly that you're tapping into that like the younger generation because mm-hmm. they need it, especially with ever all the crazy that's going on in the world right now. Yeah. Like, well, it's yeah, it's crazy. Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. All right. <laughs> So before I let everyone go, I ask them a question and that question for you, I'm going to go, if you could go back to your six-year-old self, what would you tell her and why? Mm. So I think you asked this one on Pirate Living Podcast. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I did ask them. (laughs) And and it's still... A good question. Um, yeah, my six-year-old self um will go into a little background on my six-year-old self was not talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I would talk at home plenty. I would talk to people I was comfortable with, but at school I wasn't talking. So six, so I would have been in like kindergarten, first grade time. And in kindergarten, my teacher actually had suggested to my mom that I go into special education because I wasn't talking. And my mom, her, she told me her response was, she is fine. She talks plenty at home. So <laughs> she doesn't need special education for that. But in order to appease my teacher, I did end up going to a child psychologist for a couple of years. And part of what happened while I was going through to the child psychologist was, um, the idea to get me to talk was basically to bribe me. So, mm. hey, you if you talk, if you do these things, you get a sticker. And so I had a whole sheet of like different things, like maybe I do show and tell at school or I talk to my teacher. Um, there were times when we could, would go up to the front of class for different reasons. Um, I also remember my first grade teacher, she went to my church as well. So she knew me growing up. And there were some times when I would, in first grade, would get up and talk because I was getting bribed too. And I'd get stickers, which eventually led to a bigger prize. And she'd give me a hug and be like, I'm so proud of you. So I would tell my six-year-old self um, to just use my voice how I choose and not using it because others are telling me that I have to, um, that it's okay to be selective 
and who I talk to and that it's actually a superpower to be selective and who I talk to versus just talking to whoever because that's what they want and letting let my six-year-old self know too like this not talking has is allowing you to be more observant of the world around you and that itself is developing a power that most of these people that are talking all the time without thinking are not developing. So Mm -hmm. you do what's right for you. You talk when it feels right. You talk to who it feels right to talk to and do it on your terms because your voice is your power and don't give it away just because people are giving you stickers and prizes. So (laughs) I'm like, how do you feel about stickers nowadays? (laughs) you know unfortunately as a teacher I use them at times too because I was trying to teach the kids goal setting Mm -hmm. so it's like you earn x amount of like five stickers I was trying to keep it low but I was like if you earn five stickers um you can get this at the end (laughs) at the end because I'm like let's let's learn about how to set a goal and to achieve this goal in a way that's fun (laughs) but now I'm like I don't know (laughs) would I do that again if I went back (laughs) You got a popsicle stick (laughs) (laughs) and you get to color whatever you want on it. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, Kristen, thank you so, so much for joining me on the Magic and Daily Endurance today. Your time is appreciated. And I, like, I honestly, I love so much what you're doing and sharing with the world. It is truly powerful and inspirational. So thank you for you. Thank you. Hold up, friends, before you go, hit that review button and give this episode a five-star review. Share it on your social media and do not forget to tag me. I will repost you. Let's spread the magic. Also, 2023 is upon us. Are you tired of the stories that you're telling yourself? Do you want to create your dream life with that dream partner, that dream job? Create better relationships within your life. Good news. You have the opportunity to work with me in 2023. I am offering free workshops throughout the year. Keep your eye on my Instagram. In-person workshops, sound sessions, and one-on-one coaching. If you are interested in changing your life in 2023, send me an email through the link in my bio or find me on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let's make 2023 your best year yet. Until next time, ciao.